All righty then. Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... It's Candice LaPage. Oh, it's Candice. Candice is back. And, Yay! Uh, yeah, no, as if uh, it's a surprise. Um, but it's not a surprise. Uh, this, this, this is how we uh, we plan these things. So, Candace, how are you today? Um, I'm all right. I'm a little overheated. It's <laughs> this whole summer dealio could be over soon. I'd be happy with that. Uh, I think summer, uh, they pre-plan when summer ends, and that is on September the 21st. Yeah, that seems a little far for me. <laughs> if we could just speed that up a little. I'd be all right with that. Nah, it'll be it'll be here before we know it. Like next week's show, but we're on this week's show right now. So End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new superhero sequel action comedy, Thor Love and Thunder, which you can now see in a theater near you, although it'll probably be on Disney Plus in a few weeks. Uh, but anyway, uh, since we're talking about uh, another marvel movie which i think i think it's the first time another yet another <laughs> yet another but i mean having said that i think it's the first time we've dedicated like real airtime to a uh, discussion about a marvel movie since spider-man far from home um although there have been several marvel movies since then this is like the first time we've done uh, a full review of a marvel movie on the air here and so since this is like an interesting point, and I've seen a lot of this come up on a lot of podcasts and a lot of articles and things about where we are in the Marvel universe, uh, stylistically, uh, chronologically, uh, functionally, uh, we thought we would uh, spend the first part of the show talking about some of our notes for the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe going forward. So what would we change? What would we do differently? What should they introduce next? Um, what what are kind of they doing wrong? What can they do better? So this is, I, I think, a rich ground to explore. And I am very interested to see what Candace's notes are. I have some notes of my own. So we have three notes each. And so, Candace, why don't you start off with your first note for the mm-hmm. Marvel Universe? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just to sort of preface everything, I will say that uh, famously, Adam, you had to review... Um, Avengers uh, Endgame. Yes. Uh, I think w- with guest hosts, because you couldn't convince any of us <laughs> who are here regularly to um, care enough to go see that movie. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've shared some disdain for, for Marvel. Um, but at the same time, I will say, because people are a little confused because I went to, like, I went to go see Thor Love and Thunder last weekend, like Saturday morning. First show of the day, I'm in my seat, ready to see Thor. And so people were, you know, and like, I went to see Shang-Chi. I've seen them all. I, I, I do watch them. But there's some confusion because I'm clearly disdainful about some of these, <laughs> these films. Um, yeah. And if you know me well, you know that I am, uh, you know, I, I was a, a DC comic book fan sort of growing up while I certainly did grow up in the 80s and 90s, which means that you have to love the X-Men um, cartoon because that's just, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't not. It was just part of the zeitgeist. Um, 
So while I did certainly like that, I was just more into DC comics myself. Um, but you'll never hear me really talking about that many of the extended universe DC movies because uh, I just really hate the extended universe they've created. And thank God they've changed it a little bit and started putting in much better movies. Mm-hmm. But the Marvel ones, I do actually, I do enjoy them. I do go see them. Um, I wouldn't say religiously, but semi-religiously. Semi. You know, I, I'm uh, more than a Christmas and Easter uh, Marvel, <laughs> Marvel fan, but not quite an every Sunday Marvel fan. Um, so, yes. So I was very excited to go see Thor. Uh, but that does not preclude the fact that I do have notes, as, mm-hmm. as we say. And uh, I think I've made my first note very clear with many, many people, which is that uh, Marvel just really has to get away from everything not not everything culminating but also uh certainly everything culminating but also throughout the rest of the movies as well and tv shows i just if i have to see another fight of two people flying and throwing colored balls at each other colored lasers or colored flashing lights at each other as the main whatever i'm just like i'm so tired of this whole fighting style i'm tired of all the cgi fights I'm even tired of them, these creations like in Shang-Chi, they brought in this dragon at the end, mm-hmm. which still just culminated in throwing flashing lights at the dragon. But still, I'm just like, can we just like find some other way to fight? Um, I just recently uh, watched uh, these reaction videos. I'm very addicted to reaction videos. So a guy who reacted to both of the Blade movies... Mm-hmm. And there is so much hand-to-hand combat in the Blade movies. And it's just like, yes, yes. Can, can we get back to this? Can we, this has been missing. And Shang-Chi actually did do a fair amount of hand-to-hand. And I think that that's why I did quite enjoy that film. And I think that we should see more of that. Yeah, I think that was the most disappointing thing about Shang-Chi for me is that it ends with another like CG army against real actors while... Um, the the Simu Liu and uh, Tony Jung characters just fire stuff at each other and and share CG rings back and forth. It just you know what's the point of having a martial arts movie if it doesn't end with like a straight up martial, especially if Tony Jung there who's like mm-hmm. world famous uh, martial arts actor. It, you know it it just and and I think that could be said about Black Panther too, where you know you have. Uh, a Marvel film that has very important things to say feels like it has very important things to say. And then it ends with a big CG fight. It, it's uh, I mean, if there is room for that stuff. And obviously if you produce something like an Avengers end game, it should end with a big CG fight where all the Avengers fight all the bad guys. But uh, yeah, not everything has to be that. And I think that's, I mean, t- to the, to the credit to a degree of Thor Ragnarok or not Thor Ragnarok, uh, this, this Thor love and thunder. It, I mean, there is some of that, but that is not how sort of the final battle turns. So um, there is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say somebody's already taking, taking (laughs) that note to heart, but I mean, it does, it does sort of feel like it to an extent that, um, and, and, 
the, the Eternals to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, even like Doctor Strange, which I would argue is kind of a place where you can, particularly because they had Wanda, where you can do more, uh, you know, throwing flashing lights at each other as a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think or still, musical notes. And I really enjoyed that. That was, I think, the best fight I have seen in a Marvel movie in a really long time because it was interesting. It was different. Right. It was visually interesting. Uh, it sounded interesting. But, you know, <laughs> Wanda's power. Nobody knows what to do with Wanda's powers. <laughs> or Wanda. Um, okay, for my first note, um, I have... I wrote, I wrote, I'm phrasing it this way too many damn breadcrumbs. And mm. just been, you know, hearing the discourse around Thor Love and Thunder because it's, it's the most recent one. It's just, you know, there's so much. I mean, and it has to do with like the output too, because uh, last year there were four MCU movies and six TV shows. And this year there's three movies and I think four, there's going to be four, four or five TV shows before the end of the year. It's just it's laying the groundwork for so much. Um, I mean, it, going on in the background of this, you have the formation of the Dark Avengers. You have the formation of the Young Avengers. You have the teasing of the all the multiversal stuff that's going on. You have the teasing of like future characters. So, like when uh, a certain office dissident turns up in the Doctor Strange movie <laughs> as a Fantastic Four character. Um, it it just you know it, it's it's throwing so much at you, and I think as a consequence, and I'm hearing this in the discourse, people are treating like every Marvel movie not as a movie, but as like a like a cipher from the Zodiac Killer. You have to you like discover what all the symbols and all the notes mean mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. hidden message. And that was in particular. I was listening to one podcast that was reviewing Thor: Love and Thunder, and it's like, but what does the second post credit scene mean? What are they setting up there? And I was like. Maybe and I don't want to spoil it for people, but like maybe they're not setting up anything. Maybe this is just like the final touching flourish to show that everything is okay because yes. you know not everything has a secondary meaning. So that's been sort of driving me batty in all this. Is Mar- Marvel is operating like the, a lot of these movies they've been producing lately are kind of standalone, but at the same time, people are desperately trying to search for the bigger picture, and um, Marvel has been indulging them in in that too and and they've been really trying to have it both ways and i i'm not sure how how practical that is when you're turning out like 20 hours of content every year or more Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i will say my my next note is um similar to yours okay or or sort of carries on from yours because what i said is just i want more like solo films where Mm -hmm. it's a solo story and that's what we're doing and you know fewer like crossover characters in them because mm-hmm. it's getting to a point where it is really difficult to watch the movies if you don't at least know some of all the other ancillary characters right like doctor strange no if you didn't know anything about wandavision or even you know like prior movies like who this character is what like if you didn't know any of that then the movie wouldn't really make all that much sense like you might enjoy it mm-hmm. but it's just like there's there they didn't put any weight in wanda's character in the movie because you're expected to have it already from all of the previous stuff and so i think that that's really taking away from the ability to have a doctor strange movie where maybe the weight is on 
Dr. Strange and his character. <laughs> you know, they sort of threw in these little bits with him and Christine, you know, and are you happy and all these sorts of things. But right. It didn't it didn't ultimately matter because really the whole movie was just a payoff for Wanda's character to to tie up her thing. And it's like, can we can we can we go back to movies where it's about a character, they have a, a conflict, an antagonist, or whatever, they grow, they get over it, they learn something, and the end of the movie happens? Like mm-hmm. this is not where we are anymore. Every every movie is like homework for the next movie. And even to the point where you know, again, like I would say, yes, this Thor movie, yes, Shang-Chi, yes, Doctor Strange, they are all standalone movies you could just watch and then not go through. But the the quality of the storytelling within the film isn't good enough because, as you say, there's they're they're trying to set up all these breadcrumbs, they're trying to leave these these clues and markers for other people. And it's like, who are you making the movie for? Are you making the movie for the people who want everything to be tied together, then you need to do it better because everyone is very confused about what is going on right now. Like what is this what is this all leading to? Yeah. Or are you making the movies for a wider audience? And then you have to like scale back on that. Like the original, like the first phase and second phase of Marvel movies, you could just watch one off. And it was not really until the very end when they would just sort of introduce what the next character in the next movie was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like civil war was kind of the outlier in that where it's like it's the third captain america movie but here's black panther and here's spider-man too um not spider-man number two spider-man spider-man T-O-O. also <laughs> spider-man also yeah um my my second note ties into your second note which is about focus uh because i i heard this on the slash film cast oh it's not the slash film cast anymore it's just the film cast um the podcast and they're talking about like this movie not feeling essential and and you know which marvel movies feel essential it's like well that's kind of a big problem that gets into the whole argument you're making about uh homework and things um when you're this far into it now thor and love and thunder is the 29th movie um, by the end of this year, there will have been 10 or 11 different series, not counting the Netflix series, which are essentially tied in now. Um, and each of those have multiple seasons. Uh, you know, you're talking about like 150 hours of content. And is, as, as, at that point, is it reasonable to think the majority of your audience has absorbed every bit of that? Or are we getting to a point where Marvel's going to have to acknowledge, you know, some people are not going to see everything. And, you know, what happens when, uh, I don't know, uh, Shang-Chi turns up at a Captain Marvel movie to have a conversation, to continue the conversation about his magical rings that happens at the end of Shang-Chi. It's just not uh, practical to expect everybody's absorbing this talent. But then you look at like the slate of things. um, you know, this year we've had Doctor Strange, we've had Thor, we're going to get the next Black Panther movie for the end of the year. Plus, we have, we've had Moon Knight and Miss Marvel. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to get She-Hulk, and then there's the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special at the end of the year. And then next year, we get Ant-Man 3, Guardians 3, the Marvels, which is essentially Captain Marvel 2. Um, plus, we get in new shows, we get Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Echo, Loki Season 2, 
probably what if season two the show about agatha and that's to say nothing about the stuff they they have in like active production but it's not yet scheduled so blade captain america 4 um fantastic Four, deadpool 3 how does all of this you know uh you know is is this just like we can do it so we're doing it <laughs> it's it, it just it, there, there seems like an utter and complete lack of focus they're just cranking out content um after building an audience or building expectation into the audience that you have to catch them all you have to stay up to you have to stay on top of all of this and and at what point does the audience say i'm just here to watch a movie i'm not here to to get the next clue to to read the next chapter of the book it just it it seems like um it's I, work I, it's work. it's it's work yeah exactly it's work and i i've i've almost surprised the audience is still here for it um but i i do wonder how much longer the audience is going to is is going to um just you know i mean there are signs that, that you know mm-hmm. you know eternals didn't do very well and that's for a number of reasons but i mean the signs are there that uh the audience will not show up for everything just because it's from marvel studios so you know they perhaps there's a need for caution going forward yeah yeah i i would agree like nobody wants to have to watch a movie yeah that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> or a tv series which mm-hmm. you know it's like you know at the series have so far like average of six episodes an hour each so that's you know th- six hours oh let's go watch i have to watch this thing for six hours because i'm gonna go see a two and a half hour movie next week and yeah that that doesn't sound great yeah yeah all right my last point yep. is that um i feel like there is a character that has been uh that i just want more from i will mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. um and that is the hulk mm-hmm. uh, i feel like we we have never i mean apparently the incredible hulk the edward norton film is considered part of the mcu phase one and i <laughs> i think we all universally just ignore it we go sure whatever you say marvel sure sure yes that <laughs> on the head None of us agree that it is. None of us. Nobody considers it. If you're making a list of all the films you have to see in the Marvel universe, nobody goes and don't forget Incredible Hulk. <laughs> it's just not. It's not really part of of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the Ang Lee Hulk. Oh, and I, did I know too. that. Yeah, there was a lot of some people really didn't. Some people did, but to me, Hulk is one of my favorite characters because i just really identify just understand that whole like he's just so angry and he turns into a monster and how do you (laughs) how do you how do you deal with this and um like i would be okay with them doing like a black widow type movie where they actually go back in time and tell a story that's already happened because in the sort of current timeline we have the sort of bruce hulk like smart hulk he's sort of he's fine like mm-hmm. he's all integrated and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and can we just maybe, can we find out how he got there? Like we left Thor Ragnarok where he was just like terrified that he'd spent so long as the Hulk. Basically, I think that I would, I would be really okay with them doing sort of the black widow type treatment where we get a movie about the Hulk 
you know, at, like in between times when he actually does, you know, get to a place where he is the more sort of integrated smart Hulk because we we saw him in Ragnarok as the Hulk and then came back to being Bruce Banner and was just horrified that he was a Hulk for so long. Mm. And then we went into um, Infinity War, I think Infinity War, with mm-hmm. him, this terrible joke about him not being able to become the Hulk and this whole <laughs> impotence joke, which I'm just... I think is a disservice to everything that Mark Ruffalo and Bruce Banner and the incredible Hulk have (laughs) offered us. Um, And then, and then suddenly we're at this place where he's just like, Oh, he's just like the smart Hulk. He's all integrated. He's fine. I'm like, can we can like, I just, I feel like he's been treated like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in the MCU has been treated as a joke a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. I think treated well as a joke in in Thor Ragnarok, like the actual Hulk part was funny. Mark the you know once he was back to Bruce Banner, uh, I don't know. Mark Ruffalo does comedy well though, so he he did it okay. But just like yeah, I just I want to see I want to see this character actually come to terms with this. This is a like it's a big deal. It's a big mm. deal that he turns into a monster when he gets angry because we all get angry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I want. I want a Hulk movie, a good mm. Mark Ruffalo Hulk movie. I think I almost think this is like one of those areas, and I I think one of the issues with Hulk is there are rights issues because if there's a solo Hulk movie that has to be done through a, an entirely different studio, it, it's kind of like a repeat of the Spider-Man problem that they're using in the in the greater Marvel universe. That's fine. Disney doesn't have to write universal a check um <laughs> which is is weird but i mean it does make me wonder though like could they do like a a disney plus series where they could do like a four-part mini series or something where it's like d- during that time period like how he rec- how the hulk how he recovers the hulk persona after all of that and then how he integrates himself into the the smart hulk persona that might that might be a really interesting psychological drama and you can also incorporate some of that like the old um the old incredible hulk show which was essentially like the fugitive but with the hulk in it like mm-hmm. that that would be a really interesting thing to sort of hang that on where he's like wandering the post snap world and it, it's you know how how he deals with that trauma on top of his own trauma that would be a really interesting show i yeah. hope I hope somebody's listening because this is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think people have to realize that the the bad guy in the Hulk is the Hulk. Like it's mm-hmm. Bruce Banner against himself in mm-hmm. here, and um, in a lot of ways, that's a pretty universal story. Like we all we all sort of know that. So mm-hmm. they've struggled, I think, with finding a bad guy for Hulk movies, and I think that it's because they're they're you know trying to make it some external thing when it's like, no, his, his real fight is with himself. So let's, let's slow down and tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a suggestion for uh, something I'd like to see in the Marvel universe. Um, I would, l- you know, you mentioned the X-Men theme and one of my favorite parts about the Dr. Strange movie is how they worked in the nineties cartoon theme mm-hmm. when uh, an X-Men character emerges uh, in that film. Uh that was my applause moment in Doctor Strange. Um, 
but speaking of X-Men, I would really like to see X-Men in this world. Um, and I would like to see that as a TV show. I think X-Men is ideally suited for if they're doing these sort of like big TV shows on Disney plus, I think like a lot of these series so far have been essentially six hour movies, but I think X-Men is, is, is uniquely placed to be like a real full blooded TV show. Um, the Claremont run, the, the famous Chris Claremont, when he was writing uncanny X-Men in the late eighties, early nineties, that was very soap opera um but on on an epic scale this could very well be like a game of thrones for for disney plus in terms of like you're doing a big show on an epic scale but it's also essentially like this like character drama soap opera and it would be a great way to finally do justice for characters who haven't been done very well in the movies so i'm thinking of like cyclops uh storm beast like a lot of these characters who you know, feel like afterthoughts in the movies because you're so busy focused on Professor X, Magneto, Wolverine, Jean Grey. And, you know, just thinking about the soap opera aspect of this, you know, the the story arc for Cyclops and Jean Grey, where they are a couple and then she becomes Dark Phoenix and then uh, she is killed uh, after going evil as Dark Phoenix. And then uh, Cyclops meets another uh, redheaded woman named Madeline Pryor, and they get together. They have a child. Jean Grey comes back because it turns out Madeline Pryor is a clone of Jean Grey, and then she becomes the queen of hell. And then uh, their child gets this disease. The child gets taken into the far future and comes back as Cable, who le- ends up leading uh, X Force and and has numerous other adventures in the Marvel universe. So Cyclops's son, in case people aren't aware of the comic book lore, is Cable. Um, who, who ages for years in the future and then comes back to the present. It's just that that's a show. That's like a season of a show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even have to watch it anymore since you just <laughs> explained I mean, it all. <laughs> I mean, obviously it could be something different, but then I think that also leaves room that you could do big X-Men movies. Like you can do a Deadpool movie or a Wolverine movie or like a big X-Men event movie or something like that. But the, like there's so many rich relationships um there's betrayal there's backstabbing uh shifting alliances enemies become friends friends become enemies somebody dies uh and they end up coming back to life you end up finding people were long lost brothers or sisters or mothers and fathers or uh children whatever it is um you know it it, it was like edgier seat stuff it was cliffhanger stuff which makes it ideal um I- ideal grist for a potential tv show you can make 10 seasons out of it do 10 episode seasons and uh, you know you would never run out of material i just i think that when x-men comes back it needs to be a show and and not a movie because it's there's just Mm -hmm. there's so much there there's a rich tapestry um you know when you think about things like fall of the mutants or that that crossover or the extinction agenda or inferno you know which you know all of these things also like incidents that end with like the death of all the x-men and then they come back and the world thinks the x-men are dead for years it's it's crazy it's it's so crazy it just um i i feel like only a tv show could do it justice and i hate saying that because like so many so much stuff is a tv show now when it should be a movie um but i think x-men 
definitely would be better serviced as a TV show and not a movie. I agree. And that's my two cents. Anyway, um, we still have more two cents to offer about uh, what Thor Ragnarok. Oh, geez. I keep mixing this up. It's Thor Love and Thunder. The last movie was Thor Ragnarok. I mean, maybe they should have like ended with Adam. Leaving that aside, <laughs> we're going to review Love and Thunder, Thor Love and Thunder, after the break. This is going really well. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Won't you please take me home? Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Won't you take me home? Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Won't you take me home? Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Won't you take me home? Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Won't you take me home? So that's the ex-girlfriend, is it? The old ex-girlfriend. Judy Foster. Jane Foster. The one that got away. The one that got away. That means escaped. Yeah. Yeah. Must be hard for you to see your ex-girlfriend and your ex-hammer hanging out and getting on so well. What you up to, bro? No, no, no. Hey, there you are. Hey, no, I was just calling you. Okay, and that was a clip from Thor Love and Thunder. It's the new film from writer-director Taika Waititi, and it stars Chris Hemsworth, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, Russell Crowe, Natalie Portman, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> who, were, <laughs> who were there and gone. Um, which uh, I think is sort of one issue with the movie. It's because uh, for people who may not remember at the end of Avengers Endgame, Thor takes off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So if we're going to catch up with Thor on a new Thor adventure, we must first uh, deal with the fact he's hanging out with the Guardians and uh, they are there and then they're gone. And uh, that's a thing that happened in Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was I, I will say it was one of the better things that happened in Thor Love and Thunder not that I didn't like the movie but I I, I really appreciated the the opening with the Guardians I found it very entertaining yeah it had its, it had its moments I, I feel like it's it's a bit it's a bit rushed um, I mean a lot I think that's one of my big criticisms but like there's, there's so much going on in this that you rarely get a chance to sort of languish in the world and sort of like absorb it, which, which is interesting because I love how this starts out. I think it's like the best sort of like 
introductory creation of a villain sequence that has Ab- ever yeah oh. absolutely like yeah. i was watching it and i was just like i mean i'm i'm on team gore <laughs> yeah like, uh, go go do it go kill the gods i agree with you yeah it's it's so great like just to watch this um man you know clearly suffering like the whole the whole beginning where you see his shadow um like lumbering across the desert you just see the shadow you see the baked desert floor and you he's like oh my god what's going on this seems horrible and then you see him like anguish and you see his child die and he his his god finally appears and and his god is like so dismissive and he's like oh it's one of mine um and you know it's it's I was thinking about birth of the penguin at the beginning of Batman returns the whole time. It's like, you get everything you need to understand why this character is so angry, mm-hmm. where their anger is directed at um, how this is going to unfold. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I'll say is, you know, Christian Bale is playing Gore, the God butcher. And it was really more like Gore, the kidnapper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of God yeah. butchery for me. I understand. And I've, I've come to discover this as sort of, I've been, uh doing some post-game analysis that you know apparently there's a lot of butchering that was cut out because they're trying to make it under yeah. two hours but i think that 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 is to the detriment is that we don't we don't get a lot of time with gore and it, it, he's just a, such a delectable villain and, and the way christian bale uh plays him just like oozing with contempt and disgust and anguish it's 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 wonderful and it, it's um I think it's it you know it <laughs> I hate to say it but one of the problems with this movie is that there's not enough of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. Like I yeah, uh, you know, right from the beginning, like I said, I'm like I'm I'm on team Gore. Like this is great. I think it's so it's always so smart to introduce a villain that mm. has some truth to it, right? Like I mm. always talk about Black Panther and Killmonger was right. Like mm-hmm. right to the very end, in fact, when they actually enact Killmonger's plan, but in a better way. Mm-hmm. Or Killmonger's, they enact Killmonger's uh, desired outcome, <laughs> but through a right. different plan. Right. But so it's the same thing. Like I think it's important to create a villain that you can actually find some truth to and some agreement with. Mm-hmm. And so I loved the introduction. And yes, Christian Bale played this character so well. And even though mostly all we saw of him was as you know the sort of creepy person who. Um, kidnap these children he also was just like really terrifying like Mm -hmm. the look of him and the way he would just appear like he was just very very well done and i i totally agree that we definitely could have used more of him Mm -hmm. and and seen him as more of a threat because yes they did a good job of making us sort of agree with him and be on his side but we needed him to be a threat also and that didn't necessarily come through yeah yeah it's and and also his like one of his powers is creates these like shadow monsters and i mean yeah it's it's creepy it's scary but i mean just him as a figure i think was enough that um you know what would what would this look like if it leaned a bit more into horror movie territory where it's just him the villain and it's not like taika doesn't want to get there like there's this whole sequence in the shadow world where it's it's like this german expressionism planet 
where everything's in <laughs> black and white. And uh, I mean, it, I love that sequence. It just it, it pops off the screen. It's so crisp and, it, and it's so it, it, it plays against the expectations because this is the Thor world, which is typically very colorful and very engaging um, and with with all the reds and the blues and, and the golds and the things. And then so they go to this planet where everything's like grossly in black and white, except for uh, Gore's eyes, which are this like this haunting amber that just pop out in the dark. It there, There's a part of this that clearly um, wants to sit there and make you afraid, even though you're mm-hmm. watching this, like this funny, jokey kind of Thor movie. And there's this, you know, it, it it's, it's really well, it's really well executed that scene, that specific scene with the tone. Um, so, you know, it's, it's got some dark tendencies and, and Tyke is willing to go there. It just, it, it's, it, you know, we get, you know, the CG mm-hmm. spider monsters, which, you know, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so a lot of what I've heard of criticism of this movie is around the tone. So mm-hmm. while I was watching it, um, Chris Hemsworth is just, he's so great mm-hmm. as, as funny Thor. Like he is, <laughs> he's really great. He's also very good at, uh, you know, um, like inspiring Thor. Mm-hmm. I, he didn't get to do that a lot this movie um and about halfway through the movie i was just like this is not gonna go over well i think with fans because they want to see thor as this like mighty hero i don't mm-hmm. mean to use mighty as in mighty thor that's a whole other thing but they, they <laughs> you know the fanboys and there are girls in that group that let's not be gender specific the fanboys mm-hmm. just describes like a specific sort of group of people mm-hmm. um they they want their heroes to be heroes and strong and masculine and all of these things. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is going to go over well with some people because Thor is a complete schmuck in this movie. And I did actually wonder, there were certain points um, where I was like, I don't know if it's going to work because I'm also supposed to believe this love story between him and Jane Foster. Yes. Um, and then I also have to believe that he's going to be the hero at the end of this film. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. Uh, and and yet I do actually think like the tone definitely changed a number of times to try to, to get us there. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I feel the same way as you. Like maybe if there was more movie, if it was longer, <laughs> the, the changes in tone wouldn't have been quite so... Um, like turn on a dime sort of thing mm-hmm. um, because I have seen like Jojo rabbit is so funny and so horrifying. Yeah. And you know, like I know that Taika Waititi can do it. He can do comedy and then just hit you with, with so much like um, horror and trauma and, and just like, you just feel it. So I do wonder, like, I wonder what happened with this movie. Like some people are saying, oh, they gave him too much rope. They let him do whatever he wanted. He wanted to do all comedy. And I'm like, I don't think that that's really it. No, because I, I know, I know that he can do. And even like right at the very end, I did find the end. Um, you know, the ultimate sort of battle between both Thor and Mighty Thor versus Gore. I did find that very moving. Like I was crying, mm-hmm. um, and I was surprised because I was sort of going like. How do we get here with Thor being such a schmuck the whole time? <laughs> and I will say, 
without me really truly believing in the love story. And mm-hmm. I think that there's just a whole problem with the Thor and Jane Foster love story right from the root uh, in the first film. But yeah, yeah, I think one of the things that the film this film does is like it has this sort of like five minute montage. Maybe it wasn't even five whole minutes. So maybe three minutes where you sort of see how their relationship change, you know, when they get together and everything's bright and happy and he's they're going to Halloween parties where he's dressed as a hot dog and um, they're, they're rollerblading and having a good time. And then how the relationship kind of grows apart as they become more focused on, you know, him saving the world and her also saving the world, but, you know, through, through the lens through of science, uh, through, you know, like science education and, and her research and whatever she's doing. Um, you get more relationship, stuff and character development uh in that three minute abba song than you do in two whole thor movies um and i think a lot of that is stuff that was going on behind the scenes too when they were made because you know uh people may not remember thor the dark world there was a lot of behind the scenes turmoil patty jenkins was supposed to direct that and then i believe that was the story goes that was like natalie portman pushing for patty jenkins and patty jenkins is out and um, you know, so maybe Natalie Portman was not as invested in Thor: The Dark World, given that her chosen director wasn't wasn't making it. And you know, then Jane is gone, and aside from sort of one line, is never mentioned again. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's got to do a lot of that work. Um, having said that, like Natalie Portman looks like she's having fun um, playing uh, the Jane Foster version of Thor. And uh, that's an interesting storyline, an interesting uh, approach. Um, it never, you know, it, it, it felt like it never felt like she was an appendage of Thor in this movie. It felt like she was very much on her own journey. And one again, speaking of things that I wish that was in the movie, it, it's implied that her and Valkyrie have been have, have developed like a good friendship um, mm-hmm. so much that. Valkyrie is in on Jane's secrets that she's keeping from Thor. And uh, it's that's something I wish there was a bit more of too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just think Jane Foster and Natalie Portman have just been like done dirty entirely (laughs) by Marvel. Um, And I'm glad that she came back. I'm glad that she, decided to come back i know that it was kind of you know i don't think she had ever planned to Mm -hmm. and uh, i agree like she was given she had her own story and her own arc and her own agency and that's great but i also feel like um i just don't i don't know that natalie portman as an actress fits into this world Mm -hmm. like i found her 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 comedy just wasn't wasn't as good it wasn't the same it didn't have that sharpness to it and like i love natalie portman i think she's an incredible actress and she can certainly be funny Mm -hmm. um but i just think she didn't work in this style of funny and i don't know if it was she didn't she doesn't work in the style of i think she does she also i think she's a real grounded actress like i Mm -hmm. you know seeing her in any sort of fantasy futuristic superpower (laughs) sort of thing just it feels off. Hmm. Hmm. I think you're on to something there because you know what 
if you think about like where has she not been great well thor the first couple of thor movies the star wars movies it's like well what do those movies have in common they're both these like big blockbuster special effects laden things yeah Uh, where she's not really given any right character she's not given any meat right like she is a she i mean god like because she was in the professional at 12 like she is like yeah it's not an actual actress <laughs> right it's not an action thing either because she was in annihilation um which is also special effects driven perhaps not to the extent of something like thor but you know um she can carry a gun she she looks believable carrying a gun so i mean it's not the action at all it's just i, I think you're right she there, there is uh something real about her that can get lost in these things um she can't be the outsized personality the way you know chris hemsworth can be um or tindleston or anyone who's sort of been able to anyone who's like a really good actor who's able to play in this world um you really have to play to the to the rafters um in order to overcome all this all the set design so that you don't sort of melt into it um but i mean I'm I'm glad that this is like uh, more her story in a sense, or as much mm-hmm. her story as it is Thor, um, or the uh, as Thor's. But uh, you know, it, it's also there's a good, it just comes back. I don't think it's a total problem at all. I think it's just that there's so much going on here. Um, we probably spend given the edit we probably spend a lot more time in omnipotent city than we probably have to although i did love yeah. every minute of russell crowe doing a quote-unquote greek accent as zeus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i i would agree it's just like almost the entire uh scene served no purpose yeah um except for perhaps a breadcrumb, uh, but that's mm-hmm. a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was also just, it was, it was so fun. But like, so what do you do? Do you get rid of the fun for the story or I don't know. Russell, oh, like all of the cameos were pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we go back to um, new Asgard and have our, our players <sighs> doing the plays for the tourists I love the new Asgard stuff. I love the idea that it's now this like sort of kitschy touristy town um, <laughs> where, you know, you go and see, a, you know, a classic, maybe not, not a classic Shakespearean production, but definitely like a, a Shakespearean aspiring production of the, the history of new Asgard with uh, Matt Damon, Luke Hemsworth and, and Sam Neill and new and player Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, who as Hella, which is so <laughs> so perfect so funny um yeah i (laughs) i do love (laughs) i love how it's not just that but like later there's the town meeting after the kids kidnapped and matt damon's like yeah we're thinking like maybe we should start working this into the show (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) and and she does and valkyrie completely ignores him he's like well she didn't say no and then they immediately get to work on this this latest chapter of new asgard history it's uh it's so funny it's 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 yeah, I, I love that stuff. Um, but it's also just like, could we not hang out in New Asgard a bit more? It's it's I know it's such yeah. a it's such a loopy place. And when like when will we have an opportunity to go back? It's it's uh I don't know. It's 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 
it, it, the movie has a lot of fun sort of laying these little I don't want to say breadcrumbs, as you said, because I think that implies it's going to be picked up later. But there, there, there is so much going on that you could live in sort of any one scene and explore it forever and sort of never get tired of it. And that, but then, you know, almost as soon as you get settled, you have to move on to something else. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I've, if I'm to sort of wrap up my feelings in a bow on this, I mean, I found this to be a perfectly entertaining movie, but it's one of those movies where you walk away and you start thinking about it. And that's when you start seeing all the threads that you start pulling on. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I think this comes back to sort of one of my notes, right? It's like, can Mm -hmm. we just get a standalone movie? Mm -hmm. Like, do we, what is the purpose of this movie? Is it to set up future things Mm-hmm. or is it to close off a story is it like what is it for mm-hmm. and then how do we how do we make it do that a little bit more like there's you're right there's just there's a lot going on in this film and i don't quite know what what it is that's just sort of not clicking like i remember seeing the original thor and when I went to see it, I was like, I don't know why I'm seeing this. Like, who wants to see a movie before? Like, of all the <laughs> characters. But I was really impressed. I was like, wow, that was really good. It was a complete, you know, it was a story about a like one person who's having to like understand honor and duty and, you know, that like just being the best at something isn't what being the best at something is about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a nice and like one story, like all encapsulated. And this was just mm-hmm. there was there were too many other things there were too many other things like i would say that ultimately you know it was a story about um love and recover like opening your heart to love and understanding that that means you'll be hurt by love mm-hmm. but that it's better you know right like but just i don't oh uh, yeah i don't know i don't know I, I do want to say though, yeah, the kids. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I was conflicted. There's a particular scene where suddenly they all take up arms and start fighting, and I was mm-hmm. just like, "Is this, is this really where what we're gonna do? We're really gonna send children into battle?" <laughs> but then, as it happened, I thought, "Man, if I was like a ten or twelve year old watching this movie." Mm-hmm. It would be so amazing. I'm like, yeah, there's there's a kind of lost boy, lost boys vibes to to it, um, which which I liked. Uh, I, I I had a similar concern, um, but there's like there's a lot of great scenes with the kids, particularly the the sort of the lead kid Axel, who like there's a scene where he Thor kind of materializes to talk to the kids to find out where gore has taken them and and he's being like goofy unhelpful thor and axel just has enough and it's like okay you can go now yeah it's (laughs) great like (laughs) which is fun um yeah but i I actually i I dig that sequence too i think when it comes to thor is and i haven't watched the first thor in a while and maybe i should rewatch it but what I remember is like it, it's like two different movies sewn together in this Frankenstein's monster where you have Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. doing this like again this quasi Shakespeare level drama with all the family dynamics of of Asgard 
And, you know, Thor, like, well, I am king. And, and Anthony Khan, but you're not king. Not yet. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's such stagecraft. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, Hemsworth was a new quantity, too. And he's trying to figure himself out. He's trying to figure out the role, too. Um, you know, and then you get the kind of the quasi-disaster that's Thor Dark World. And then when you get to Ragnarok, there's, like, zero expectations for Ragnarok because they've been all over the place with this character trying to figure out what to do with them. And then Ragnarok hits um, it just in all the right ways. It gets the tone right. It gets the comedy right. It gets the action right. It's highly consequential because, you know, Thor loses an eye. He he loses his hammer. He loses Asgard. And, you know, it, it's, it suffers because it, to an extent because Tycho is able to just he nailed it. He he hit that home run. He did the impossible. He made a Thor movie that was wicked awesome. And so what do you do next? <laughs> I don't know. It just, it feels like, you know, maybe he was shackling himself. Um, you know, maybe he was, you know, trying to, do, you know, do what he can deliver a two hour movie while still trying to do all the stuff that he wanted to do. Cause you're right. Hunt for the wilder people, Jojo rabbit have these incredibly hilarious moments, but they also have these utterly heartbreaking moments. And sometimes it's one after the other. And, you know, it, it's a tone that he should be able to nail um, almost instinctually. And, you know, for whatever reason, it, he just couldn't quite get there with Thor. And it, it's a shame because it is an entertaining movie. And, um, I, I think, um, yeah, I just, I think they're, some of the fundamentals are kind of off, which is kind mm-hmm. of weird, but anyway. Yeah. It's uh, a, it's a good ride though. It's a good it's ride. A good ride. It's a good, it's a good soundtrack. Ride. Yeah. Yeah. I love how it uses the little orchestral bit at the end of November rain as like, sort of like a, a like a rallying cry is sort of like that yeah. like going into battle moment that um that was really good um but we'll have to leave that there you can uh, certainly listen to our show again by finding it on our website and credits radioshow.com you can download it from the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify when you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits. Just open up Spotify and search for end credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at end credits radio show and on Twitter at end credits radio. And Candace, where may people find you out there on the rainbow bridge called the internet? <laughs> um, you can find me everywhere on the rainbow bridge uh, <laughs> at sin 48. That's C I N N four eight. Um, and, uh, uh, we are on a little bit of a summer break, but uh, I do host the Village Podcast by the Bookshelf. So uh, you've got like five years of past episodes to catch up on until we come back in September. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will be back here still producing content Thursday at 5 p.m. on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca and stay tuned For more great programming here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, where we will return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another epic adventure here on End Credits. And we will see you then. 